Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. What a what a beautiful morning. I was thinking on Monday last week that we'd be freezing, but it doesn't feel too bad, right? Everybody okay? Um, on, on that note, if you are in the sun, there is no shame at all. If you need to pick up your chairs and move and find shade, the sun's going to move in this direction. Um, so if you're on this side, you might potentially be in trouble. So, you know, feel free to shuffle. Uh, it's not that distracting. Don't worry about it. We don't want you to be blinded. Um, also, if you need to use the restroom, I think Alan already said it, but right in there. And afterwards, we are having uh, super excited for our Thanksgiving brunch. So if you didn't know that, surprise, you get a free breakfast burrito. Um, but if you did, thank you for just showing up this morning and being here. Um, and also, if you are joining us online, it's a little different. Uh, if you've known the weeks before this, we've been doing kind of a pre-service recording on Thursdays. But this is our first Sunday where we are doing a live stream here and a live stream in Brea. So welcome if you're online. And uh, yeah, I think, well, before we get started, are you okay? Let's just give a round of applause for our worship team and everyone that made this happen. Yeah. Yeah, there were, there were so many people involved that uh, were here. I know Scott, Stephen, and Daryl were here Thursday night. Scott was hanging up these lights. Um, a lot of people were here early this morning, so thank you all for what you did. Um, with that, today's a special day. We are finishing our series in Jonah, so I hope you've enjoyed. I hope you've grown in your relationship with the Lord, but I'm excited to uh, close out this series um, and hope that God speaks this morning. So let me pray. And uh, then we'll finish Jonah. Father, how good and how gracious you are. Lord, a, a beautiful morning again. That's because of your grace. The fact that the sun rises and sets. The fact that we have breath in our lungs, Lord, is all because of you. Father, you've told us in Colossians that you hold all things together. God, thank you for that. I thank you for our church, Lord. I thank you uh, that you love Ambassador Church for the work you started here almost 20 years ago. God, I, I lift up Brea uh, this morning as Pastor Mike preaches and they worship that you would bless their service, Lord, that your name would be made great. And I pray for all the churches in our area, all the churches in our country and, our, and in the world, Lord, that you would be made great this morning, God, that your gospel of hope and conviction and righteousness uh, in this world would be proclaimed. Lord, I pray that for those of us who are coming this morning, we've got baggage, we've got stress, we've got worries and anxieties, whatever it be, Lord, would this morning, would we be focused on You, Jesus? Would Your Spirit inside us convict us? Lord, for those of us who are here who do not know You, would this be the day where You speak and proclaim them as Yours? Father, You're so faithful and we lift up this time your good name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Jonah chapter 4, the last chapter of the book. If you have a smartphone, go ahead and turn to it. I uh, want to start off with kind of a depressing story, um, uh, so forgive me for that. There'll be hope at the end of the message. Um, but June 4th, 2004, Granby, Colorado. Does that ring a bell for anybody? June 4th, 2004, Granby, Colorado. It was a normal morning. It was a small town, but not a normal event happened. There was a man by the name of Marvin Hemeyer, uh, a great welder. He owned a muffler shop. And after years of bitterness, after years of letting hatred kind of settle in his heart, his plan finally carried out. If you were sleeping in uh, Granby, you would have heard the noise of a bulldozer rolling down the streets. But it wa wasn't any bulldozer. This bulldozer was armored with over an inch thick of plating on all sides, making it an impenetrable fortress. It had cameras all around it so Marvin could see inside where he was driving because there was no windows because his plan was this thing will not be breached. And as he drove around the town, Shortly after, he began to bulldoze buildings in the town, bulldoze homes in the town. One after the other. Got a little breeze here. And praise God, nobody died that morning. At least nobody that he was trying to kill that morning died. But it cost the city of Granby millions and millions of dollars as he acted out terror upon the city to get revenge. 
little backstory is a few years prior, he had owned a muffler shop. He was making his way pretty good, but there were some issues with zoning in the city, and he had gone to court and tried to fight some things, and it didn't go in his favor. And it was at that point where Marvin Hemeyer said, and in his recordings that he left before June 4th, that he said, God told me to destroy the people who had hurt me. How does that sound? God, God told me that it was his will that I attack the people of Granby and the people who were responsible for destroying my business. And he carried out his plan and eventually took his life. And we'll read the, the rest later. But this morning, it's kind of a heavy topic. Bitterness and hatred. You ever experienced them? Bitterness and hatred. Maybe you've been the victim of someone's hatred towards you or someone's bitterness towards you. Or maybe right now, I mean, there's that person that comes to mind right away. Of, yeah, I'm still bitter towards it. Maybe you're sitting next to your spouse and you feel those thoughts. <laughs> bitterness and hatred. Now, I know a lot of us here, and, and, and I, as I was wrestling with this this week, I was thinking, you know, I don't hate anybody. I'm not that type of person. I just strongly dislike people with a passion. You know, I, I, I don't, that, that's not me. I would never, you know, I don't really have that much of a heart issue inside me. Um, but you see, I think that's the danger of bitterness and hatred is they're kind of the silent but deadly sins. See, a lot of us, we're not going to go pull a Marvin Hemeyer and go bulldoze a city out of hatred, right? Hopefully not. But for a lot of us, we have these things inside, bitterness inside us, hatred, and it's just brewing. It's there, it's ever-present, but we don't talk about it necessarily. A lot of us are very controlled, good Christians, you know. We're, we're, you know we know all the phrases of, oh, bless you, love you, you know, you know, all these nice things. But deep down, it's there. The problem is, is when Jesus came, he called us all out. Remember, he said, if anyone lusts after a woman, it's, it's what? It's like adultery. They said, if anyone hates his brother or sister in their heart, it's guilty of what? Murder. God actually cares about our hearts. And I think it's His grace that He cares because He knows what happens in our hearts if we have unhealthy hearts, that it can destroy our lives. That if left unchecked, you can have horrible outcomes like Marvin Hemeyer. If left unchecked, it'll rot inside. I think a lot of us have experienced that. So the goal this morning is this, that we would check our hearts in light of looking at Jonah. That, that, that God, my, my hope is that God would speak to us and say, hey, here's your heart, here's the condition of it. Maybe it's not as healthy as you think, but then at the same time, we're going to see God's heart. And we're going to see His view of the world. And by that, we're not only going to be convicted, but changed. So that, that's where we're going this morning. I think if you're here and you're like, I've never struggled with bitterness or hatred in my life. I love everyone. I have a bird feeder outside. I'm just happy all the time. You know, no issues. Um, I think God's still going to speak. And if you're here and you're thinking of that person, that group of people, I think God's still going to speak. So Jonah chapter 4, uh, go ahead, we're going to start in verse 1. A little, little review though, if, if you haven't been with us and you haven't you know, read the story before, Jonah was called by God to preach to Nineveh, didn't want to do it, got on a boat, fled, God caused a storm, Jonah gets thrown overboard, God brings a fish to save Jonah, he's in the fish three days, three nights, the fish spits him out, he goes and preaches to Nineveh, and what happened, Mike talked about this last week, they actually repented, crazy thing, the most wicked city ever, this guy goes and preaches, they all repent, huge success, and so we pick it up today, we hear Jonah, now you'd imagine that Jonah would be like, this is the best day ever. I am the best preacher since, I don't know, I don't know, you know, since Mike Glein. I, I am just, I am amazing, right? I am like Billy Graham on steroids. This is, you know, the whole nation converted, um, but we're going to see a very different scenario. So Jonah 4, chapter 1 says this, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord? When I was still at home, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? 
You see the irony here? I mean, this, this guy should be ecstatic. He should be planning his next book, like a one-step process to turn pagans. It's a whale of a time, or what? you know, whatever. Like, he should be rejoicing, but yet he's saying, I want to die. What, what's going, what's, what's the real reason behind it? Is, it? is it that Jonah is just a guy who wants justice? Is he in the right here of just, well, you know, Lord, I... The, the Ninevites, they're so terrible. They're, you know, that they've oppressed my people. And ultimately, my heart is, God, that you would wipe them out so we'd have justice and safety in Israel. I mean, maybe, maybe that's part of it. But what about this whole part of, God, it would be better for me to die than to live. That should always be a red flag, right? I mean, if, if you're with a friend or something, you know, and the, the cheese didn't come on their Big Mac, and you're like, you know what, I just want to die. All right, that, that, or if you've studied counseling and someone says that, that's your instant, like, okay, there is a problem here that maybe is a little deeper than what's coming out, right? You know, let, let's maybe get some therapy. Let's, let's turn on some Christian music or, you know, let's do something uh, to help you here. I think what, what's going on here is this is a, an x-ray into Jonah's heart. I think the author of the book of Jonah is shining on, hey, there was something deeper going on with Jonah than you see. And he even says it here. He said, this is why I didn't want to go in the first place. You know, originally you read the book and you think Jonah would be like, I don't want to go to Nineveh because what if they don't like me and they kill me? I want to be safe. I don't want to leave town. I get seasick. You know, I, I just don't want to do this. But he's saying, no, 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 that, that, that's not the issue. God, I, I knew who you were. I knew that you were good. I knew, I, I knew that you were gracious and compassionate. And I was afraid that you would give grace to the people that I hate. Our first point, if you're taking notes this morning, is an unhealthy heart is angered by grace. As you're checking your heart this morning, as hopefully God speaks to all of our hearts, an unhealthy heart is angered by grace. Well, what, is, what does that look like? Let, let's, let's still look at Jonah here. I mean, this is the guy that should be a missionary. He's an Israelite. He knows God, God's called his people to, to, to be a light to the world. But yet, but yet he's angry. Right, you know, I wonder if God chose Jonah... Not because it was like, you know, Jonah's my best preacher. Jonah is, he, he's a really dynamic guy. I, I think that he's going to be one that leads under repentance. I think God chose Jonah because God was trying to show something in Jonah's heart. Right? I imagine if you were friends of Jonah and you heard this story, you'd be like, oh man, Jonah's the last guy on earth that I'd imagine going to Nineveh. I, I imagine that Jonah had a reputation of despising the Ninevites. And I wonder if a lot of people in Israel did, and God is trying to expose this in his heart. Bitterness and hatred. Definition of bitterness is where someone's wronged you, and the pain, you, you can't really get over it, and you harbor it inside you. The definition of hatred is a strong dislike for someone, or ill will, an intent of ill will on them. That hurt me this week. Because again, I've always thought, you know, I don't hate anybody. That's not my style. I love everybody. You know, I would give people high fives, but COVID, you know, I'm just a good person. But when you read the definition of hatred, a strong dislike for someone else. You ever feel that? I feel it all the time. You see, these things, when they're inside us, can destroy us. Right? And they cause us to do irrational things. Have you ever seen a driver on the freeway? Any of you that can drive, right? You know, you've seen that angry person in the road rage, like the crazy things they can do. You, ever, you, can, you should YouTube. I mean, maybe you shouldn't. But if you YouTube road rage, I mean, there's people that just go nuts. And you wonder, okay, is it just that someone cut them off? Or was there something deeper down inside them that caused that reaction? But see, if you don't address bitterness and hatred... It'll grow and cause you to do irrational things. It'll destroy your life. I mean, it happens in the church. 
You see, people that, you know what, I was hurt by that pastor. He didn't shake my hand or he didn't ask me how I was, you know, or, oh, my small group, they just kind of, I never felt like I was included. And these little thoughts get in there. And I think Satan loves this. And Satan's like, yeah, you know what? They are kind of jerks. They are kind of stuck up. You really don't belong there. And it starts to build and it starts to build. And this causes people to leave and they go to another church. And then the same thing happens. They don't deal with it. And then they go to another church and they spend their whole life not experiencing the goodness and blessing of being part of a body of Christ because they haven't been able to deal with these thoughts. Right? Or how many marriages? You know, I've been married, I've only been married five and a half years. But God's taught me so much of like, you have to fight those thoughts where they start, right? Other that bitterness comes in. You, you get married, it's funny, you know, before you're married, everything's so cute. It's like, oh, the way, you know, you're, you're kind of frazzled at things, or oh, your car's kind of messy, let me help you. But then you get married and your car's messy, and you're like, what are you doing? You know, why, 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 just get, get your act together, right? Like the little things start to bother us, and it grows into bitterness, and then grow in hatred. And that's why 50%, I think, of Americans get divorced, because they don't know how to deal with this. I mean, how many family events have you gone to where you look at the grandparents that are divorced or this person couldn't deal with this and you're sitting at the table and you feel that tension? You ever been there? It's like no one's even saying anything, but you just feel it. You just know it's there. That person hates this person. It's never was dealt with. It was so long ago. You don't even remember what it's about, but you just feel it. I think Satan loves this, and I think what happens is so often in our lives because we're not necessarily acting on these things, we deny they're there. We don't realize they're there. And I wonder if Jonah, before God called him to go to Nineveh, even realized what was in his heart. So I don't know who it is for you. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's not just a direct person. Maybe it's a political party. In my street, you know, we've got proud Democrat. Then we've got Trump. And then we got, you know, some green part or whatever part, you know, the weird people, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, you can see these, these neighbors and, and I'm looking at like one sitting on his porch and you can tell they're just not talking, they're just sitting straight, you know, because they got their flag, they got their flag. And you can see there's so much bitterness in my neighborhood. Go on social media. Well, don't go on social, take a break. But you, you know what I'm talking about. You see this, what's going on. I mean, maybe for you, it's, they're part of the wrong social justice group. Or maybe it's, it's the demographic of that person. You know, it's not even their race. It's just they're kind of poor because of their bad decisions, and they're mooching off the government. Or, but, you know, on the other side, you got this person over here. Well, yeah, I'm poor. I'm mooching off. But I wasn't as privileged as you are. You know, you know my family did. And so there's these thoughts that rise and this hatred that rises. Maybe it's a person that's a different religion. You ever seen Christians that they see, oh, you're a Mormon? And just that level of judgment that comes out and just get away from me. Hide, I'm going to hide my kids, you know? I mean, you could, we could go on all day long. Conservatives, non-conservatives. Homeschooled, non-homeschooled, right? I watch this show, but that's inappropriate. I, I would never watch that show. There's so many reasons for us to be bitter, to alienate ourselves from people, to be angry, to harbor this in our hearts. And I think Satan loves it. I think it's so destructive. But God, I think in Jonah, is calling us out. I think he's calling Jonah out. He's calling Israel out. And he's saying, hey, I care about what's in your heart. And if you have an unhealthy heart where this is inside it, you can never live on my mission. You can never experience it. And you'll even, it'll build so much that you will hate my very nature, which is grace, mercy, and love in the gospel. And that's what Jonah hates. He's like, I literally, what he's saying is, God, I hate that you're gracious. I would rather you be wrathful. It's absurd. But that's what this does. And if you're here this morning and you're still like, okay, I, I really don't, I really don't know if that's me, and, and I, I really feel like I'm just a good person. Well, I want to kind of show you this, uh, the standard of what a Christian is to be towards their enemies. You, you ever experience that? Like, you go, uh, when you're in middle school, you thought you were the big dog, the big fish in the, the pond, and then all of a sudden you go to high school, and what happens? I'm a nobody. You know, you know, you're scared. You're hiding in the bathroom stall. You, know, you don't know anybody. Right? I mean, it happens at, you're, you're at work. You know, you're the big dog in your department. Then you get moved up. You get a seat at the chair with the other guy. And you realize, wait a second. I'm a nobody. Like, I'm just, and I think this happens a lot. Like when I, um, well, 
I'll throw him under the bus. You know, Tim Kang here, he's our youth pastor. He's a great guy. He's here on worship. I love him. Um, but, you know, you, you remember, like, cars back in the day, if you're old enough, when you had a clicker that would lock your car, that was pretty cool. You know, that was like, hey, tick, tick, you know, and it would lock, right? You know, and then now, like, kids don't even realize that that's cool. Um, but so I thought when I, I, mean, I came here, I was like, you know, I got some old cars. I'm pretty cool. So I was like, hey, Tim. Let's, uh, let's get coffee, you know? you know, and I was thinking I'm going to take in my car, it'll be old school, and he's like, no, Abel, I'll drive. Gets his keys out, doot, doot, and it doesn't just unlock, the engine starts. And boom. <laughs> he's like, I'll drive. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. But you know that moment you think you're something and then you're not, right? You know, I, Tim, I just want to be as cool as you are. You know, you play guitar and all that. This is my confession publicly. Um, <laughs> No, but, but my hope is, is as, as we look at this, that if you're here this morning and you're like me, that you think, hey, no, I don't struggle with this, that you'd realize, wait, I'm maybe not as great as I thought I was. Look at the standard that God gives for a Christian. But I say to you, Jesus is talking, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's easy. You ever felt like you had an actual enemy that was against you, that had it out to get you, that you couldn't stand? He's saying, Love them, pray for them. That's where it goes back to this, this point of if you have an unhealthy heart, you despise God's grace. What, what is praying for them? That's saying, God, I want grace and goodness for them. And for so many of us, it's like, nope, I want just the opposite. I'm going to be like David. I'm going to pray that their whole family, nation, dogs, cats, everything dies, right? You don't want God's grace for them. Look, look at this other one. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's even sometimes harder than love. You know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you know what? I love them. I love everybody. Now Jesus is saying, no, actually, go bless them. Go do something good for them. Give my grace to them. For a lot of us, I, I know me, it just, that little anger comes out and says, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. Look at what else in, in Romans. It says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That one is so hard because I think I get in the, I get in the, the mindset of, well, God, they're not going to be at peace with me. They're a jerk. They're, I, I put in the effort, but you know, they want it this way. This is how it is. God's saying, hey, no, no. As far as it depends on you, live at peace. Whatever it takes, do it. Then he says this, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed him. If he is thirsty, what? Give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And the last one in Thessalonians says this. See to it that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Where do you fall? I think when you look at that, we all fall short. right? None, none of us are nailing this, because this is so hard. And I think in a culture like, guys, like ours, where we're so divided right now, it is so, I'm in this camp, you're in that camp. We are the good Christians that vote the right way. You're the wrong Christians that vote the wrong way. You know, or I, 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 I mean, you, there's so many people. We're the church that we don't wear masks because we have faith. Jesus is our God, right? You know, you're fearful because you wear masks. We are so divided. And I think if we are the church and want to share the gospel, God's saying, hey, you need my heart. This is unhealthy. This isn't what I've called you to be. So that's our first thing this morning is, where's your heart? And an, unhealthy, and an unhealthy heart hates God's grace, is angered at God's grace by Jonah. Okay, you still with me? Let's, let's keep going. Let's see what else happens. Here's where the story gets a little weird, um, but let's just let's read it. And it's God's word, and it's going to be good. So, so it says this. The first thing Jonah says, I'm angry. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate. God, slow to anger and abounding in love, and God relents from sending calamity. We just read that, but verse 5, get this. Jonah went out of the city, sat to the east of the city, and made a booth for himself there. He sat it under the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So a little observation. What's Jonah doing? He preaches to them. They repent. They say, okay, we don't want to die. Let's, let, let's pray to your God. Now you'd think that Jonah would be like, okay, I'm going to stay here. 
I'm going to get some good books. We're going to start some Bible studies. We're going to convert you. We're going to make you this good nation. But that's not what he does. Leaves the city, sits down. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for some lightning bolts. You know, okay, God's going to strike them dead. Right? This is it. You know, he's got some popcorn or whatever. He's waiting. Verse 6. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Could you imagine that? I mean, yeah, I've seen like, you can kind of see bamboo grow. You ever try that? We're like, this must have been amazing. So God appoints a plant. Then it says this. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of his plant. Exceedingly glad. It's funny, you know, he's angry. Now he's exceedingly glad. You ever like babysit a toddler before? Yeah, you've seen this, this reaction of, you know, one moment they're really happy, you're playing with them, then you don't know what you're doing, they're screaming, and their parents come in, you're like, I didn't do it, I was trying, I mean, he's like a kid here, exceedingly glad. Where, where do we leave off? I lost my place. I know we're in Jonah. Seven, thank you. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm. See? Worm, plant, all that. He, a worm, and it attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. Even that, it's like, I wonder what kind of worm could kill the plant. And, you know, but it happened. Sun comes out, probably has pale skin like I do. It's getting sunburned. Then he asked this. He asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you be well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes. Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. Right? I mean, he's like kicking his feet in the dirt here. Like a child. Angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor you did not make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Verse 11. Here's, here's where we see God's heart. Should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. This is a glimpse into the heart of God. You ever hear of uh, deism? It's this belief that came out in the 1800s that, you know, if you look at all of creation, it does look like something created this. There's probably some higher being. We can't tell what it is. But we know there's probably something high out there that designed this thing because there's a lot of things that point to a creator. But you know what? There, there, there's probably that creator isn't really involved, right? That, that, that it made it, and now the world's just kind of turning. It's just kind of freestyling. And if there's something out there, it's kind of sitting back and it's watching, but it doesn't interact with miracles. It's not active, it's passive. And I think. The reality is, even though some people want to believe that, it couldn't be more opposite of the truth, could it not? I mean, if you look at history, if you look at what's in your heart, what you felt with Christianity, God is anything but passive. His heart is anything but, you know, I don't really care. I created it. They sinned. I'm just going to kind of sit back here. Whoever makes the cut makes the cut. That's great. I'm just going to do my thing. No, the heart of God is so intentionally active in pursuing his creation, is he not? Is he not? And that's what God is saying here to Jonah. He's like, Jonah, everything that I touch, everything that I make, whether it's Nineveh, whether it's even the cattle, whether everything that I touch means something to me. I'm intentional. I care. Even God's enemies. You still with me? What's that? What's that beautiful verse that but God shows his love towards us that while we are still what? Sinners, Christ died for us. God is not just intentional for his creation, but he's intentional even when his creation is against him. That's God's heart. That's God's heart. He's not passive. That means that God I think he cares. Right? He he cares about politics. I think God cares about what happens to our nation. I think God isn't, well, I know God is in control and he appoints leaders. But at the same time, I think he has the ability to love and care for a person, depending on, doesn't matter which party they're in, he wants them. You see that God, 
when he looks at his creation, it's not, well, you messed up, I hate you. It's, no, you are my mission. Jonah wanted to go to Nineveh. He wanted to be a conqueror. He wanted to come in. Hey, here's the word. You don't listen to it. God, kill him. But God sent Jonah to be a missionary, not a conqueror. Jonah, I want you to go in and I want you to say, hey, you people are my gods. And he cares about you. He's intentional. He's there. He's active. He's not passive like your other idols. You see, they were kind of deistic. Like this whole thing of deism kind of fits into Nineveh because they would have been people who are like, yeah, you know, there's these gods that created it, but they're just doing their own thing. Jonah's coming and saying, no, my God cares. And he's gracious and he's loving, but Jonah didn't get that. See, I don't think it's situational when God's asking Jonah, why are you angry? I don't think God's just saying, why are you angry with the plant? I think God's saying, why is there this bitterness and hatred in your heart to begin with? Have you missed the mission? Have you missed who I am? See, Marvin Haymeyer, or Hemeyer, I want to read you a, a quote before he drove his bulldozer around the, the city to destroy it. He recorded these tapes, and I, I want you to just hear his understanding of the heart of God. And I think it's probably similar to Jonah's. Look at, look at what he says. God built me for this job. I think God will bless me to get the machine done, to drive it, to do the stuff I have to do. I am a Christian. God blessed me in advance for the task that I am about to undertake. It is my duty. God has asked me to do this. It's a cross that I am going to carry, and I'm going to carry it in God's name. How does that sit with you? It's repulsive. It's repulsive. You hear that? You're like, what is wrong with you? Do you have no understanding of who God is? Do you have no understanding of, of Jesus and the cross? But you see, I think what happens is because our subtle bitterness and hatred is hidden inside of us, we can have those same thoughts and we don't even realize it. Not that you're going to go create a bulldozer and kill people, but we have these thoughts of, I, I can't stand being around you. You're annoying. I, I, I don't want to be in a small group with you. Right? Or this demographic of people, if they were just gone, if God just zapped them all, the world would be a better place. Right? Those thoughts can creep up. And we forget the heart of God. And that, that's our second point. That a healthy heart that sees the heart of God is filled with grace and mission. God would never ask us to have vengeance because he says, vengeance is mine. Well, let's, let's bring this to a close. Are you still, still with me? How can you change your heart? Because I think that all of us struggle with this in some way. All of us, whether it's your spouse, person over here, political party, friends, siblings, what do we do? I think you can try to, you know, hide it and just leave here today. No, I'm going to love everybody. You ever seen, and, I, and I'm not... I think, like, ladies are particularly good at this. But you ever seen where it's, you can tell they don't like each other, but they're trying to be nice and Christian, you know, and it's like, oh, I love you, sister, or something like, but you feel that, that tension. You know, guys do it too. But it doesn't work, right? I mean, we can leave here today, but you know what? I'm going I'm to just love, forgive, be gracious to everyone, and I'm going to be a good Christian. It, it, you can't fix your heart. It doesn't work. Well, I think there's a key, and I think Jesus said it through Paul and Ephesians. Get this, I think this is the key. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. But get this, this is the key. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. You see, the key is not just to be, I'm going to be gracious, I'm going to be loving, I'm going to be good. The key is, God, I'm going to live in light of how gracious and loving and good you've been to me at the cross, and I'm going to let that flow out of me. See the difference? One is a moralistic thing of, I'm going to be a good person. The other is, God, I'm going to be enamored with what you've done for me. It's, it's living in light of Romans. It says, but God shows his love towards us that while we're still sinner Christ, you every day getting up, and even if it's next to your spouse you don't like, even if it's your sibling, even if it's your teacher, whoever it is, you're getting up and you're saying, God, you showed your love towards me while I was your enemy. 
I want to do the same. Or it, it's this, when I was an enemy of God, He reconciled me to Himself. That's Romans 5.10. This is, this is so hard, is it not? It's so hard. I think for me, I've been a Christian most of my life since I was a kid. But when someone wrongs me, when someone hurts me, my knee-jerk reaction is I'm an avoider. I made sure not to say that when I was interviewing with Ray and Ethan, because uh, that's just not a good quality and so in ministry. But, but you know, it's just, just who I am. Like, my knee-jerk reaction is if you hurt me, I'm going to avoid you. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be around you. And then I'll probably passively aggressive talk to someone else. Like, oh, you know, you know that person? Did you ever get this vibe from them? I'll make it more spiritual. Like, we should pray for them or say, you know, something like that. It is so hard for me. When someone wrongs me, my instant reaction is I think in my head, well, this is why I'm better than them. This is why they don't know what they're talking about. This is why they're a jerk. But I think what that shows in my heart is that I haven't fully come to grips of the gospel in my own life. I haven't realized the depth of my own sin and depravity that Jesus at the cross took for me. God doesn't just say, forgive one another. He says, just as Christ and God forgave you, live in that. My call this morning for all of us, are you bitter? Do you have hatred? Do you have anger at someone, group of people, whatever? Maybe you've forgotten the amount of forgiveness that you receive every second of every day from Jesus. Live in that and then act on it. The sad ending of the book of Jonah is, that's it. We don't know what happens to him. He missed it. He didn't understand the mission that God had. For Hemeyer, the bulldozer got stuck under a building and he took his own life. He didn't address his bitterness. He didn't address his hatred. How is God calling you to address it tonight? So two questions as we close. Where's your heart this morning? Where's your heart this morning? Maybe you need to look to what God has done and let that come over you. Yeah, you may need to leave here. Maybe there's that person you need to call up and say, hey, you know what? I have been bitter towards you. I have had this hatred, and, and let's fix this. But, you know, chances are some of those people, they might be dead. It might have been so long ago you're like, hey, you know, you don't know my dad, my father-in-law, what they did to me. You don't know my grandparents. They're gone. If you can't, then what you need to do is you need to go to the cross of Christ and say, Jesus, I have a problem. I need to experience your grace, and I want to live in that, and I want to give this to you. Help me give this. It's time to give it up. It's time to run to Christ. Second is, let's be people that even if we are bitter, even if we don't like them, let's act. Because that's what God does. Even when we are in enmity with Christ, He reconciled us to Himself. That's what God does, is He acts. Let's pray.